Hello and welcome back to the Strong Dad podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest today. I usually intro my uh, strong, desk Chris, strong guest, Chris Jones, but we have someone a little bit more important than Jonesy today. We have uh, Chris's client, Rob Ruffley. Is that correct? Did I pronounce that correct, by the way? That is correct, Adam, yeah. That's, I want to yeah. call you uh, Rob Ruffy. Sound Rob like Ruffy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, get called, I get called Bob Buffley quite a lot, but yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah without um, going too in-depth and introing Rob, uh, he has an amazing story and he's here to kind of tell all. Um, basically, Rob is a client of Jones's. He's doing some amazing stuff in terms of what he's doing, in terms of his training and challenges and has uh, a good story so rob over to you mate tell us where it all began and we'll dig in from there yeah so no thanks so um no thanks for having me on um and it's uh, really good to, to have a chat about this and and sort of get the awareness out there so yeah so i'm doing a duathlon challenge in december so <laughs> pardon me it starts on the starts on the 10th of december and it finishes on the 23rd of december so it's over at 14 days and I'm doing so I'm going to be running and cycling 364 miles over that 14 days so it's sort of broken down into um, a three mile run an 18 mile cycle and a five mile run every day for 14 days so I'm going to be doing that around the sort of Woodford area Woodford Bramall area I'm going to be doing a few days back in Wallasey from where I'm originally from, and then the sort of final day, which is the 23rd of December, I'm going to be doing an 18-mile cycle, then an eight-mile run, and finishing off with the Christie, um, like the cafe, like Maggie's, which is like a cafe, just you know, sort of quite close to the Christie, not not you know, sort of in front of the Christie. So, so yeah, so I'm doing that, and, and the 23rd of December when I finish is is also my 40th birthday, so I'm finishing. The challenge on my 40th birthday so <laughs> brilliant yeah and yeah so it all came about and i'm raising money for i'm raising money you know an awareness for testicular cancer so you know to date i've just raised probably just over four thousand getting up like four thousand two hundred pound um and yeah it was sort of beginning there well back end of last year on my birthday 23rd december i got diagnosed with stage one testicular cancer so um which yeah came as a massive shock to be honest and especially on my birthday wasn't the best timing no so uh, so um yeah so basically i got yeah diagnosed and it all sort of started in sort of back end of november first week in december so um and it all i hadn't sort of been checking myself regularly or anything like that. And I was just, it was a Sunday night. I was, I was in bed. I was flicking through the Facebook as we talked about before. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I to sound like my dad. And, um, and yeah, one of my friends, uh, a guy who, uh, you know, from the cricket club, a guy called Neil Cross, who's a secondary school teacher, was doing um, November. So, and, you know, and he put a bit of a post on there about how much he'd been, He'd, he'd sort of been speaking to the lads and, and you know, and, and raised this money. And then on the back of that, I thought, oh, you know, I'll just check. So check myself and, and sort of discovered 
sort of two lumps on the side of um, my right testicle, which was like sort of a fact, you know, I sort of had the gut instinct that something wasn't completely right. And I was like, um, the next day I sort of woke up and I had quite a lot of, well, I had frequency, so I needed to go to the toilet quite a lot. Um, and it was sort of like quite burning sensation as well. So like a bit like a water infection. So <laughs> I sort of, after a week, I sort of went to the doctors and you can only get, you could only get voice consultations at that, at that point. Because um, obviously COVID and they put me onto some antibiotics thinking that I'd had some sort of infection um, in my testicles. So, so yeah, so I took the antibiotics and, and the sort of frequency sort of died down a bit, but the, but the lumps on the testicle didn't disappear. So um, so I phoned up the doctor again and said, you know, <clears throat> I need to have a, a face-to-face consultation, you know, because I'm just a little bit concerned about these, these lumps. So I went to see the doctor and he examined me and was like, yeah, I think I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. So I was like, right. So, and to be fair, like the next day, he phoned me up and said, right, we've got an ultrasound appointment on the 18th of December or we've got one in you know, in January, mid-January. And I was like, no, no, I'd definitely, you know, I'd definitely take the 18th of December, which was like a Friday. So, so yeah, so that was over in Marple. So it was like on a Friday evening, went over and um, had my ultrasound. I sort of said to the guy who'd done the ultrasound, it was just like Marple Health Clinic, which I wasn't in a hospital. I said, you know, what, what's, you know, did you find anything? He said, oh, just found a spot. And I was like, right, okay, so what, what does that what does that mean? And he said, oh, you know, we can't, we can't diagnose with them based on an ultrasound, but, you know, I'll send the report over on Monday. So just phone your GP and get the results. So I was like, so obviously it was quite nervous over that weekend thinking like, what does that mean? And, you know, you speak to your friends, your family, everyone's like, no, you know, it'd be absolutely fine. It'll just be a cyst or, you know. Um, so he phoned the doctors on Monday and she was and she was like, oh no, the report hasn't come through. And this was like Monday evening. I said, no, he definitely said he was going to send it through. So, um, so anyway, she chased it up to the reception. And again, I just kept on pushing. And eventually she phoned me back and said, yeah, you've got your results. And I was just like, it was in the kitchen on my own. Um, and it was just like, yeah, suspected cancer. So, so it was sort of there on a Monday afternoon just like it was sort of Monday evening on my own in my kitchen I was like she's like you know what sort of just hit me there so so yeah so it was obviously took me massive by shock and the first thing I did was just like I just thought right I just need to phone up with private healthcare so I phoned up with private healthcare and said like you've just had this diagnosis or suspected diagnosis I need to you know see a consultant and they were like oh you know it's only video consultancies and and then she said, oh, no, we've had this one cancellation for this consultant in the spire. So, but it was, and it was, so it was like seven o'clock the next day. Um, so, yeah, so I went in to spire and, and met um, Arian Parham, who was the, who was, ended up being a surgeon. And he was like, right, I goes, I'm, you know, based in the Christie. So I'll transfer you directly over to the Christie. So come into the Christie tomorrow and you'll have like, you know, which was the 23rd, you could have, you know, um, blood tests, et cetera, another ultrasound. So he did. And yeah, so I had all that on, on my birthday. And then he was, he was just like, you know, looked at the ultrasounds, like, you know, you can never get diagnosed until it's actually biopsied, but you know, it's like 98% chance it's cancer. So it's just like, 
yeah, fucking hell. Watching swear, sorry. Apologies. No, and then bad words. So I was just like, oh geez, you know, I was like, and then I just got myself I, I was I was in such like a, a I think it was just such a shock, such as like, and you know, I'll go on to like how I was feeling and beforehand, but it just like hit me so hard. It was on my birthday. I'd just been through quite a lot over the last couple of years and I was just like, you know, and it just, it just sort of tipped me over the edge and I was like really worried about, you know, if it spread anywhere. So, and to be fair, because of, and mainly because I'm a private health care, which was, you know, very thankful for, and I know I'm very lucky to have that. Um, they sorted out like a CT scan for me the next day on Christmas Eve and then went for my CT scan and got the results back and it hadn't sort of spread anywhere. And so that was sort of, a relief on Christmas Eve, but obviously still not a very great Christmas. And um, I was meant to have my operation on the 28th of December, but because of the my fertility stuff, they wanted me to think, they said, you know, we want you to do um, some fertility treatments, you know, basically sperm banking, you know, in case you want kids in the future. Um, you know, the operation will have to get delayed a week. So, yeah, I got delayed a week. Um, so I've done that. My sperm banking, which all went fine. And then... Obviously, a bit of a weird experience going in doing your spare banking. It's uh, <laughs> they, they have not updated the porno mags since like 1970. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, and there was no signal on your phone, so you were sort of stuck, you know. But anyway, uh, was you 15 again? Did you yeah, exactly. 15 years yeah, old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just sort of like led you into this room and was just like, you know, so you know, if there's any problems, pull the cord. And if you're not finished in an hour, we'll come and check on you. I was like. Bloody hell, an hour. I said, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> you know, just speak to some of me. You know, speak to some of my ex-girlfriends and my ex-wife and they'd be like, no, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. Don't worry, it's not going to take an hour. So, um, so anyways, so yeah, so that was, um, so that was a bit of an experience. Anyway, so went in, had my operation uh, on in the Christie on the 6th of, 6th of January. Um, you know, stayed in overnight. It's not a very long operation. Um, you know, I'd never been, you know, before this whole situation, I'd never been, I'd never been into hospital before, apart from visiting, you know, relatives or whatever. Um, never really been ill before, you know. So it was just, and obviously during COVID, you're going through all this by yourself, you know, because no one can come in to, to be with you. You're, you're going into this hospital by yourself and going through these, you know, new, quite scary experiences by yourself. So it's like... You know, so it's a hard thing to get your head around. And then after I had my operation, yeah, they come back and it was like, give me results. And it was cancer, it was a seminoma, which is a slow growing form of testicular cancer. And um, yeah, and the consultants had offered, so then me, oncology uh, consultants offered me, you know, active surveillance or um, a shot of chemotherapy. So you know, you never, you never, even though it's classed as sort of external, being your testicle, you're never 100% cured because you can never guarantee that, you know, a cell hasn't, you know, migrated away before you've caught it. So, um, so it was like a 10% chance of reoccurrence with just active surveillance, or you can have one shot chemotherapy, which was um, like a one, one hour shot of um, this chemotherapy called carboplatin. Um, and reduces the chances of reoccurring 10% to, to like 3%. So, um, yeah, and, and sort of 
what I got told about how you'd feel is that, you'd, you know, you'd feel rubbish for a couple of days and then you'd probably be feeling a bit under the weather for a month, you know, um, before, you know, until you, you know, not under the weather, more just tired, tired more tired than usual. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of opted for the chemotherapy shot rather than the active surveillance, just because of my sort of personality, I suppose. That's And, and that's what my consultant said, you know, if you're a bit more laissez-faire, then you might just go for the active surveillance because it's obviously still really low percentage chance. Or if you're a bit more... Um, anxious you know you might go <laughs> you might go for the chemotherapy i was gonna say i'd be straight i'd be like let me i'd be like give me some of that stuff <laughs> yeah so are the active so, surveillance then uh, is it literally just checkups and that kind yeah, of stuff yeah well yeah so so like at the moment i have i, I have three months checkups yeah. so i go in and every three months i have i have blood test and i have a chest x-ray because of it reoccurred it reoccurred my lymph nodes in my chest mm-hmm. area um and and then every year at heart I have a CT scan. So I've got a CT scan on the 5th of January. Um, which, you know, not a nice experience to go through CT scans. You know, it's um, but uh, it's I suppose it's not like you're not in pain doing doing the CT scan, it's just the whole you've got to sit in the waiting room, drink this liquid for you know for 45 minutes for the contrast, and then when you're on the actual Getting scanned, the the injector with this um, fluid, which is is quite hot, and it rushes through your body, and it makes oh. you feel, and, and it makes you feel like you pissed yourself. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so you so you're there, and then they basically do the scan, and then you say, right, we're going to inject, we're going to inject you with this, and then you sort of release it, and you feel that you feel it like hot, it goes through your body, and then you're like. It does feel like you've yeah, you wet yourself. You, you haven't, but yeah, it does what it feels like. So, so yeah, and but active surveillance without that is, is more, I think you have um, a CT scan like every six months, you know, so it's, it's just keeping it keep on top of you a bit a bit more um, rather than the uh, having the chemo. So, yeah, so it's, it's very, it was a very, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a person who, you know, likes to, I don't mind doing the hard graft and doing the hard work. So I think for my, my point of view is the case of if it, if it reoccurred in the future and I hadn't taken the chemo, I'd probably feel like, like I, I probably feel like I should have done that, mm-hmm. you know, and I would have been like, right, you know, it would have been like question mark thinking, well, if I took, if I'd done the chemo, would would have not reoccurred, yeah. you know? And that's my sort of thought process. So, so yeah, for, for that, I was like, yeah, no, definitely have the chemo, even though, you know, I was probably going to feel a bit rubbish. And, you know, and you, and you speak to different people and, and, and you know, and some people, everyone's experience of cancer and chemotherapy and all different treatments is all is different. And they have, people have different perceptions on what they've read and what they've heard and who they, you know, who they know. And, you know, some people say, oh, geez, I can't believe you, you know, you're opted to have chemotherapy, putting like nuclear medicine into your body and stuff. But, and then you speak to other people and be like, yeah, I would have definitely gone for that option. You know, so again, you just got to sort of be comfortable with the decision that you make. And, and, you know, um, there's a lot of support and um, material out there which you can read and, and speak to people who, you know, sort of can advise you, which is the best way to go. So, Yeah. I think one of the things I picked up and noticed then was just from the start, 
you were like you pushed it and you was quite adamant you wanted results. I know like most guys you probably got it's all right, you know what, it's just like you say, it's a cyst or it's something else. And we probably wouldn't push it. And you said you kind of had a feeling and you know, you're on the phone to the doctors and things like that. I think a lot of guys do make that mistake, don't they? They kind of go, Yeah, it'll be all right. And then six months has gone down the line. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and like to be honest, like I wasn't particularly ill. I was like, you know, like the day before I got my frequency, I'd been out and done like and ran my fastest ten k. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I was feeling ill. I was just, it was just like this had come up, and and I think the frequency was probably more to do with probably in my gut. I knew that there was something. It was probably like nerves. You know, when you're, you know, when you're you know, going for going for a job interview and you're nervous when you're a bit younger and you're like. You know, pop into the toilet, or you at university, you present them on stage, and you're like mm. pop into the toilet every couple of you know twenty minutes before you before you go on. It's like you know nerves, it's in your stomach, isn't it? So I think there was a, something associated with that as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's you know I, I could have just kicked it down the road and taken the ultrasound in January. Yeah. You know, I would go and thought, oh yeah, it's absolutely fine. Get Christmas out of the way. Have a good Christmas, and I'll deal with it in January. It's nothing. It's nothing serious. You know, and you know, and I could have done that, but I was like, no, I want to know. You know, you feel like this. I always sort of, yeah, I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite an impatient person, as Jonesy would probably oh. tell you. <laughs> you know? So yeah, so I'm quite like, you know, I don't really sit do do sitting still very well, and uh, <laughs> so and yeah, and and I've also I'm quite an anxious person, you know, and and. You know, and I suffered quite a lot of mental health um, after the diagnosis. And sort of, and I started seeing a counsellor, this lady um, on Zoom, which was was fine, but I just didn't really feel like I was getting what I needed to get out of, out of that situation. Yeah. Um, and and also it's very hard over Zoom as well to sort of do, do that. And then I changed and, and went to this counsellor um, in Poynton, a guy called Dominic, who's um, who's really good, and I went to see him. I started seeing him every week, and I, I remember the first thing I said to him as I walked in, and, and I was sitting there, and he, and he said to me, and he and, and I said to him, I just want to feel normal again, and he said, um, and he said, well, what goes? When did you feel normal? I said, oh, like well, in November before I got diagnosed with cancer. And he said, and he goes, oh, you, you felt normal in November, did you? I was like. And sort of stopped and thought, and I was like, well, no, probably didn't actually. And he was like, he goes, well, when, when was the last time you felt normal or you felt happy? And I was like, probably like February 2018. You know, and this right. is like, you know, and this is like February 2020. <laughs> you know, so, and, and I was, you know, or 2021, sorry, February 2021. So, you know, so it's a long time, and, and and looking back, I didn't realize sort of how bad I was feeling until you get to the point, or how rubbish I was feeling until you get to a point where you know it's tipping over, it tip, tips you over the edge, so to speak. And you know, I'd been through like my marriage had broken down, so you know, I'd gone through gone through that sort of situation. Um, I was living, I you know, still do live up in Woodford, but that's you know, I moved up there with my wife. You know, in that area, and I wouldn't have. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful area, and I plan to stay in that area. But 
it's it's not somewhere I would have chosen to live if I hadn't met my ex-wife, you know. And then all my family, you know, all my family and the majority of my friends and their family are based on the Wirral. You know, I've got a big group of friends mm. from the cricket club and, um, yeah, my best my best mate and, you know, lives in, um, lives in Bramall. But, yeah, the majority of my friends and my family are based on the Wirral. So, you know, so yeah, so going through my marriage breakdown and then having, you know, going, you know, adapting to being a single dad, so I've got a little boy who's, you know, who's, who's four and a half um, and having 50% with his mum, so adapting to that sort of, you know, scenario. Also, you know, being a bit isolated from friends and family, um, sort of working from home. So once, like, me and Rhiannon had, had split up, I basically moved the office from uh, crew where I had an office in crew and I took it home because I had to, you know, the days I'd drop Leo off at nursery and the days I had to pick him up, I had to be sort of closer and I didn't want to be driving an hour to crew an hour back. So I sort of started working from home. So that was like no change of scenery, the company I work for. I've always been amazing, really supportive. Well, they're, you know, they're based in Bristol. So all my work colleagues are based in Bristol, you know, so, so they're, you know, it's, it's fine joining you know, teams and Zoom, but, you know, the actual physical, social interaction is, is quite a big thing. Yeah, and then I sort of lost my, my gran, who was, you know, she was like 90, 93, 94, she was a good age. So, um, yeah, and then obviously, and then we have a global pandemic thrown into the mix. You know, so, 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 you know, all that sort of stuff happened. And it was just like, it was all like a lot of unrelated events. And then, mm. and then at the end of that, just as like you sort of, getting a bit better or you know, start feeling a bit better about things and then someone turns around and goes oh no you can just have testicular cancer as well and you're like oh great cheers you know and it's just like you know yeah what, yeah what was the yeah. what was the mindset so I know because I have this picture of you know you go for a scan and then you sit with a doctor and he kind of gives you the diagnosis you didn't have that you were stood in your kitchen probably going ah you know it like can you go into like what was you what were like the feelings what you went through because I guess there's like a spectrum of contemplation oh, in your head. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like you just when you when you hear that news, like she said, suspected lesion. I was like, what does that mean? Mm. And she's like, suspected tumor. I was like, right, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> she's like, I was like, just like spell it out. It's like you know, yeah. suspected cancer, you know, and then and it just it knocks you for six. You just like, and a lot of things rush through your head. A lot of different things, you know. I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm single. I'm a single dad, fifty percent of the time. I've got a four-year-old son, you know. Um, and the worst things, you know, rush. The worst case scenario is like rush through your head. Yeah. You know, you basically you're thinking like, you know, you don't think at thirty-eight, thirty-eight, thirty-nine at the time that you're going to get cancer. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in your, it's not in your mindset. You know, we're not. You know, everyone knows what the end game is, but it's not at the forefront of your mind. You know, because you, you, you go around walking around being miserable, and you, you know, so yeah. you, know, you know, so it's it's not at the forefront of your mind. But then it, it is. It's it's projected into the forefront of your mind. Then it's like Jesus, I've got like an illness which is, you know, could potentially kill me. Yeah. You know, and, and and you know, and, and that's like. It brings like that sort of bring. It really makes you think about your own mortality. And then when you've got a young family, you know, I've got Leo, um, 
I'm, you know, we're really close, you know, because, you know, we spend, obviously, when I spend the time with him, it's me and him. And like, you know, and, and all the way through lockdown, it, it was, we've got a really good bond and really close. And then that sort of flips, and that sort of responsibility flips through your head. And you're like, and that's the big thing, which is I really struggled with, um, was, was like that whole thought process of like, you know, not being there for him. And that is the, and that is the thing which really, really, which I really, really struggled with when it came to it came to mental health and and all that stuff which had happened previous to me um, over the couple of years was just like it was just building up. I was just adding layers on all the time, so it was just adding another layer on, another layer of pressure. I was like buying Rihanna out the house, you know, taking a big mortgage on myself, mm-hmm. you know, and. You know, so adding financial pressure, adding work pressure, adding, you know, trying to be a good dad, you know, trying to keep fit, um, you know, and you just and like trying to get over your marriage breakup and thinking, you know, right, I'm going to, I want to move on and meet someone else. And you're adding all these layers of pressure onto yourself all the time, but under the guise of being a guy going, well, yeah, but I'm a strong person, you know, I've always been a strong person, so I can, I can deal with it, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not an issue. And then eventually, and like all those stuff aren't life threatening. It's all that stuff that's ha- that happened to me, marriage breakdown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's, it's not life threatening. It's not like it happens and it's it's rubbish. You know, it's not great, but it's not life threatening. So when when it comes to but when it, when the cancer is, <laughs> so it's like you know, and it's like Jesus, right? Okay, and you know, and that's like that's a hard thing to get. You can't just you can't just put that to the side. You've got to, you've got to do something about it. <laughs> you know, you can't just put it in a box. Yeah. You know. Oh, well, I'll, deal, I'll deal with that at the time. You've got to, you've got to, yeah. Like, I, just, I just want to ask you about the sort of the stigma around two things, which is obviously something happening with your pride and joy, and yeah. finding you, know, you get sort of diagnosed with, with something like cancer, and also going for counseling. Right. Now, those okay. are. New areas that you know you read about, you look about, and it, there's a massive focus on blokes being more open and honest about things like this, and finding something and and being proactive in getting checked out or finding somebody they can talk to, because you know we've all read the stories about people who haven't. Oh, yeah. It sounds from what you were saying, you were you were very proactive in going. Let's just get this done. Let's just get it sorted. Let's just get on the front foot with this. And I mean, did you did you take a backward step and just think, oh fuck, for a bit, or were you quite proactive in? Well, getting- I, I, you know, firstly, I've got like a big group of family and friends. So I've got like I've got a lot. I've got four siblings. You know, close to my parents. I've got a big group of mates. You know, back in the world, who I'm really close with, and you know, and they're the people that I could talk to. And whilst like I took at the start, you sort of because it happened so quickly as well, and I, and because I'm a private healthcare, it was like boom, boom, boom. You were like always going in for something. You're going in for another. You're going for another check. You're going for this blood test. And it was always coming back. So it was like fast paced. And then once the chemo had finished, you sort of like you, you, all those things have stopped. And you're just like, right, okay, I've been through it all now, so you should feel better. And then you wait, and I wasn't feeling better. <laughs> you know, it was like I was feeling worse because there was nothing to distract your mind away from it. So, yeah, I needed that. 
whilst like I battled through, I needed a lot of guidance and help from my friends and family to say, right, you know, what's the best way to go about it? And and, and the things which are, you know, stigmatized is medication, you know, anti-anxiety or antidepressants and counseling, speaking to someone, you know, and, and as, you know, a guy who's played, you know, team sports as in rugby and cricket throughout, you know, all my life up until my mid thirties until I became too old and my body wouldn't take anymore. You know, <laughs> you know, you sort of, you, you wonder that guys of like, I'm a strong person. You don't, and you know, and you've got your teammates there and stuff, but yeah. So, and, and like the one thing I wasn't adverse to the counseling, you know, at all. One thing, you know, and I do, and I still take medication now, you know, and I and take a, a low dose of medication. Um, because, and, and that was one thing I really wanted to stay away from. And it was like, and it was, yeah, you have this like perception in your head of what it is and what it does to you. And and it wasn't great to start off with, to be honest, when I started taking it. But also, I know a lot of people who have taken it. So it's like anything, once you speak, once you open up and speak to someone or speak about what you've been through or what you plan to do or what's the best way forward, a lot more people have sort of opened up. So, you know, when they speak about, yeah, about cancer, then you realise how many people have been impacted by cancer, whether that's themselves or whether they know someone really close who's had cancer. And then when you say, you know, a lot of you know, my friends and especially, you know, my really close friends like Keith and Jude, who are my brother-in-law and you know, sister-in-law, or ex-brother-in-law, sister-in-law now, but, you know, um, I'm really close to them. And they're, you know, giving me really good advice and, and it's like, and, and also my parents and my mom and my sister have been through it a bit. And it was just a bit like, yeah, don't be scared of taking medication. It's not, you know, it's not this big evil thing to do. If you know, it, there's nothing wrong with taking medication. You know, if, you, if you've got a headache, you'll take a ibuprofen, you know, or paracetamol or whichever. And, you know, and if you've got a cut on your leg, you'll sort of bandage it up, won't you? You know, so in... If, if you need if you need a little bit of help in hand to get over this bump in the road, then don't be adverse to doing it, you know. And and I thought like so I, I held off a long time about that, and I was just like I spoke to my counsellor about it, and um, I'd been seeing my counsellor then, and yes, you know, and eventually I decided that this was probably the best course for me to do at, at the time to get me over this hump in the road, and you know to get me back back you know working properly and you know being you know back to being a great dad etc cetera, etc cetera. it was just like you needed you just need that little helping hand to get over the bump sometimes and, and I'm not scared to to say you know I, I did need that helping hand at the time and you know coupled with seeing the counsellor who I still see now you know once a month um was great and, it, and it's really helping and I will carry on seeing the counsellor because it's just good to download, you know, and I don't really talk about my cancer or what I've been through that in that aspect. I just talk about how I'm feeling or what's happening with work or what's happening in my relationships. And, and once you talk about things, you realize you can see how like different parts of your life will sort of link up, <laughs> you know, so you're like, well, yeah, so I'm feeling like this. And then, and that, that, and then you can see how it relates to work and how it can relate to relationships and, you know, and, and just by talking to someone who's completely individual and um, you know impartial, is it really really helps? You know, 
because you, you know your friends and family are there to support you no matter what um, but you can never be impartial because they've known you for so long yeah definitely <laughs> you know so, so they're there to support you and, and obviously advise you and, and I definitely want to go through you know got to the place I was so quickly without their support but also there's some stuff that you can't you feel like you can't tell them just because it, you know it, it's just it's hard for you to open that box with them maybe and with your counsellor there's like nothing's off limits you know in terms of how you're feeling or you know so you can just you can just feel free and then feel relaxed to just say what you want and he's just going to be there to sort of help you and guide you and um and, ch- and you know and he challenges me as well you know about different things you know <laughs> it was like yeah there's a few times where he's just like yeah you you, you you're being you're not being silly, Rob, but yeah, you know, <laughs> in account in counselor phrases, basically saying that's the case. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, and there's, a, and there's a lot of times where I was really upset. You know, the first like the first couple of months, it's like there wasn't a session where I didn't like cry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, and it was all associated, and it was and it was and my trigger was to do with my son Leah, and every time I, you know, the thought of like when I spoke about Leo and. How much you know? How much I loved him, and then you sort of then you have you have like oh I've just had this illness, and then you sort of like think of those two things together. It was just like really upsetting for me. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, um, yeah. So there was, yeah, there was times where yeah, I was like most sessions I got quite upset, but that's like it's not a bad thing. It's you know, it's a healthy thing, you know, because otherwise you just get it gets just gets trapped inside, you know, and yeah, and that's and that's one of the reasons why. I wanted to do something to sort of challenge myself and, you know, not just physically challenge myself, mentally challenge myself and also raise awareness. You know, I work in, I work in construction, which is a very male dominated industry, you know, and, and I know like a lot of people do Movember and, um, but I just wanted to, yeah, I wasn't shy about sharing my story and, and I think like every time I say to someone, oh, you have had testicular cancer, they probably go home and check, you know, a guy, they probably go home and check themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, a good, which is a good thing, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. Just, so yeah. I was going to say, so, so on that, where, where's, where's the challenge come from? What's the sort of thought process behind that? How have you, how's it for, been formulated and everything? So, yeah, so, so I, looked at this, I looked at the stats and then... Um, and I wanted to sort of break it down into doing running and um, and cycling, and then I sort of looked I looked around looked around the stats. You know, like it's like two thousand two hundred cases a year and ninety one percent success rate and stuff. And I, and I just wanted I didn't want it to be absolutely giant, you know, gi- ginormous in terms of the the feat, but I wanted to do it like sort of manageable. And then so I come up with like the challenge and broke it down, and I think it. I sort of sent it over to you, Chris, and I, and I was like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And um, and you were like, wow, this looks like a really good challenge. And then you sort of went away and had to look at it and said, yeah, I think you probably need to sort of break it down into a bit more manageable chunks. And, and then you sort of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of going like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go out and do a 90-mile cycle or whatever. It was like... Um, yeah, because knowing... knowing- <laughs> yeah, knowing you as the person that you are, you would have just gone out and... Done it all in one. 
or tried well, to anyway. Well, tr- well yeah, definitely attempted to. I don't, I don't know if it would have been successful, <laughs> to be fair. But yeah, it's um, yeah. So and then you come back and said, you know, I think maybe we should break it down to these chunks in terms of eight mile run a day, eighteen mile cycle. I think that's more realistic. I think that those numbers are definitely doable. What you think? And I was like, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's sounds a lot more sensible and a lot more manageable. Um, I don't know if it still feels that manageable as it's getting closer, but yeah, definitely. No, it definitely is more manageable than my initial proposal. And um, and obviously we've been, you know, working hard in the gym, you know, been we've had two sessions a week, don't we, for the last yeah. you know, for the last few months now, three or four, you know, three months, which is really which has really helped to give me that focus. Um definitely worked on, you know, stuff uh you know, in terms of my core, my hamstrings, which really helped with my running, really helped with my cycling. I can really feel, you know, that, that all that work we've done to strengthen those bits um, are really, you know, really helping with my challenge and really helping with my running and my cycling. And, 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 that's, and that's something I wouldn't have done. You know, I would have just literally running every day or cycling every day. I wouldn't have been focused on, you know, and wouldn't have been focused on doing those those other parts in terms of like, um, you know, that sort of strength work. But I'm sort of quite real. I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, so I'm, I'm quite realistic about things. And, you know, and I realised if I was going to do this challenge, I'd need, you know, help and support, you know, like Chris has provided me to, to be able to get through it, you know, so. I've just got a question for, you've mentioned it a few times, but what would you, I don't know if you can, but what would you put like your mental resiliency resiliency or grit down to? Because every time something's hit you, you've gone, there's like a thought process, you're right, I need some help for this and this is what I'm going to do. Like where, what would you put it down to? Is it parenting? Was it playing team sports? Was it just being you? What would you? Um, I think, yeah, I think like, parenting, you know, it's like, you know, I've got like four, I've got four of the siblings and, um, mm-hmm. You know, really close to mum and dad. Mum and dad, you know, split up. We got divorced when I was sort of, sort of late teens. Um, dad's had his own business, you know, since he was since he was young, and he's always worked really hard. And I think that's, I think you know, that that example has definitely rubbed off on all of us the siblings. We all we all work hard, you know, and um, yeah, like in school, I probably could have done a little bit better, you know, but I got through to what I needed to do to get to like. Doing my quantity surveying degree, went to uni, done that. But just I worked part time, you know, so I worked as a quantity surveyor four days a week, done my degree part there you know, one one day a week. But as soon as I got my, as soon as I got my degree, it was just like a, a like a switch got flicked, and I was just like, and I just worked, and I just always believed in working really hard. So I don't mind doing like the rubbish jobs to get to the end to the end result, you know. So I've I've always been a case of like, you know, you have to go through, a, you know, have to you know, especially in construction, sometimes you have to do a lot of sort of work, which is not that fun to do, measuring or whatever you've got to do to get to the end result. But I've always not been shy about, you know, I've never shied away from that. I'll, I'll always put the hard work in and to get to that end result because I, I don't, I, you know, my sort of mentality would feel like I, I cheated to get to that end result if I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, if I didn't go through that process and I know that I've given it my, my all 100%, I'd feel like I've cheated myself. 
and I wouldn't feel com- it wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't sit comfortably with me. So yeah. So I've always been, I've always been in that that sort of mindset of like, yeah, I work hard, and yeah, you might have to do you might have to do a bit of the rubbish jobs or the crap, and but you know, it's always to get you to the end result, which is the better part or the good bit, you know. So, um, so yeah, so I suppose that's my mentality, I suppose, and yeah, I'm quite competitive um, as well. So yeah, so avoid being quite competitive. Um, is that how you kind of put the cancer diagnosis down, get through the graph for an end result? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose it was just like, yeah, it was just, you know, I'm not very good at taking things, you know, the whole the whole thing of the whole advice I was getting was like, you need to take things, it's all baby steps, you know, and I'm very much like, I want it done now. So it's like, you want to feel better now, you want to fit, you want it, you know, you want it completed now. Um, and when it comes to like, when it comes to getting over something and processing something, especially like cancer and, and your mental health, it's not it's easy just to go like flick a switch and you go back to normal again, you know, and and that's one one of the things. It's like, you know, and one one thing I've learned is better, you know, going through the whole process and or going through the diagnosis and going through the treatments, is that not to put time frames onto things to go right so you know right okay so i've finished i've had my operation i've had my chemotherapy so that's all finished now so i'm going to be fine mm-hmm. and it's like if that doesn't happen you know or it's like oh right okay in another two weeks i'm going to be fine well again it, why is it two weeks you know yeah you know, why is it not like two years or why is it not two months or why is it not two hours yeah there's no there's no sort of hard and fast rule about it um you know you literally you just got to take it sort of baby steps and when, yeah, and which is not something I'm very good at. <laughs> you know, I'm not very good at just like slowing, I'm not very good at like slowing down and realising and being patient and having to, to go through that. So, so yeah, so it was, it was a hard thing for me to, to have to do. Um, yeah, and I don't like letting people down as well. So when it came to work, it was like, I still thought, right, yeah, no, I still soldier on in work and carry on, keep my mind occupied and, and you just like sometimes you just need to take a, a step back and just and and just take that little bit of time out to get you know to feel good again to, to you, so you can work efficiently or you can just carry on and just burn yourself out you know yeah right. but, what advice would you give uh, any guy who's even remotely in a situation like yourself what advice would you give to other people I think like the whole you know always like you know check up regularly when it comes to you know your balls but also it's like if there's anything in terms of illness wise which you you know you're uncomfortable with or you're worried about it's like it's this it's going to see a doctor and speak you know speak to a doctor or health professional about that um and also like if you just if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling down or you're feeling you know just sad it, you know it's always it's better to talk to someone and get out there than just keep it bottled up because you can you can keep it bottled up but eventually it'll come out somewhere it'll come out you know, you know, it might be two years down the line, it might be three years down the line. And I just think, you know, to explore those, you know, to explore those different things and and also that, you know, seeing a counsellor is a really good, a really good thing. You know, people will go to the gym a lot, you know, to keep themselves fit. And well, you obviously don't need to tell you two guys about that, but you know, it's like people will do that a lot and and think right, I'll eat healthily and stuff and an exercise, but then when it comes to mental health, we'll, we'll sort of leave that aspect and not and not address it. 
And, you know, it's completely the same scenario. You know, it's, you've got to sort of look after your mind as well as your body. And mm-hmm. if you don't, then it just sort of all just builds, it just all builds up, builds up on top of you. Definitely. So, yeah. Jonesy, have you got anything else to ask? I know he's uh, one of your clients, but... No, I think, like, it's... You know, we talk a lot, a lot in our sessions and stuff like that, so it's it's more, you know, I'm pretty in awe of what you're doing. I, th- I think it's a brave thing. I think, you know, we've all got our, our life stories and stuff, but most... Most of things that happen to you, that has happened, unfortunately, to you, are, are generally spread out over a, a lifetime. Yeah. You've had this all over the last few years. And I think your sort of mental fortitude and your open and honesty has been brave. Well, not brave, I think brave is the wrong word, but, you know, it, it's, it's important and it's been inspiring. I think that's that's the better yeah. word. Like, was listening to your story and just think, Jesus, like, could could I have been like that? Would I have been like that if I had gone through the same thing? Probably not. Yeah, it might so. have been a, a lot a lot longer journey. But I think it's you know testament to who you are as a person that you've you you've, you're working through it. It's a, it's a constant work on, and you're you're yeah. open and you're honest. And, you know, and, and you're doing this mad challenge, which I think is a, you know, a sort of cherry on the top with everything, ready for your 30th party, you know. <laughs> well, 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 to be honest, mate, I wish it was 30, but unfortunately it's 40. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Dream of that. Dream yeah. of that. So we always ask uh, guests on on the podcast uh, one, one question. I don't know if Chris has uh, tipped you up, but... I think you'll probably be no. the, perf- the perfect person to ask this because, like you say, your mental fortitude and strength and just how, yeah. I suppose, your outlook is just, like you say, inspiring and definitely I'm sat here going well. So we always ask, what does a strong dad mean to you? Um, what a strong dad means to me? Um, I think, I think, be, I think a strong dad to me is someone who is um, is happy, and that is and that is a massive thing in terms of um, what I've taken from this. Is like it's about you know in life it's about being happy, and that's like it could be with work, it could be outside work, and it's uh, it's definitely a combination of the two in terms of life, family, work, and yeah, and it's it's about being life. It's about being happy and being comfortable in yourself. And that's one thing I still speak to my counsellor a lot about now is, is is feeling, you know, not it's it's not about it's about self-confidence. It's not about being arrogant or anything like that. It's just being comfortable in your own skin and um and being happy with your life. And you know, and that and that's uh, that's what I think, you know, a strong dad should be or is. Amazing. So is anywhere we can send people to uh, send some charity donations? If you send us a link, obviously we'll tag it on the podcast, but is anywhere we can send them? Yeah, so there's um, so I've got a GoFundMe page. Um, I've also got a Just Giving page. So there's, when I set up the GoFundMe page originally, and then a few people tried to donate, and they, and they 
it couldn't go through for whatever reasons, like bank accounts or I don't know, there's, there was some issue with it. So I set up a just giving page as well. So um, so I've got those two those two pages, um, and I've got like an Instagram account where I put a bit of a training and and a, and a sort of schedule. I put like a schedule which where I'm doing the runs and I've done like a course maps of um, on Garmin where I'm doing the actual runs. So so yeah, so I'll send I'll send those links to you guys. Um, and yeah, and it's just yeah, obviously if you, if people can donate, that'd be fantastic. Um, if they want to join in with a run or a cycle, then that's even better. You know, give me a bit of Jonesy. I want to see Jonesy on the back of a bike again. It'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, we haven't actually talked about this yet. So yeah, I didn't know how many likes he was actually going to do with me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been very quiet about that whole topic. To be honest, it's never really come up in conversation. Okay, so, well, he's more rubber. We'll have him now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get, get him to commit. Like I'm live, live on the podcast, yeah. yeah. I will, I will, I will. There I will. you go. I'll do like we got, got a verbal agreement. But Rob, mate, abs- like you say, absolutely inspiring. I think coming on this podcast, oh, talking about something what's it's not nice to talk about. I think you've done it with a smile on your face, and I don't inspired me, and I'm sure Chris as well with with how you dealt with stuff, just with everything. So. I'm sure the um, the challenges you'll just you'll just dominate them. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And um, mate, Rob, yeah. thanks for coming on, pal. And um, oh, you have been a pleasure. Me. But hey, yeah. we might have you on again. I'm sure there's plenty more you could talk about um, in your life. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, we could have about three podcasts. Yeah, but no, no, no. Definitely go on post post challenge. What's that post challenge? <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely, definitely get you on we'll post challenge. Yeah, no, awesome. for sure. Right, right, cheers, Rob. Thanks very much. Awesome. Cheers, brother. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all later. Catch you later. Bye.